following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. I get the privilege this morning to kick off a new series. Uh, as you, if you've been plugged in here, whether online, by the way, if you're watching online, welcome, bless you. Uh, I encourage you to uh, enter in in every way you can. If you are watching online and um, you have developed a habit of not coming to church because it's easier to stay home, I do want to exhort you that we need you here and you need us. And uh, so it is good to be among the body when you can, but if for whatever reason you can't, we always enjoy the blessing of having you watching uh, remotely. But we do need one another, don't we? So we've been on a journey together. over the last couple months of looking at the whole thing of being filled with the Spirit and just what all of that means. Uh, This morning we want to kick off a new series and it's really the result and the purpose of being filled and that is the whole thing of being sent. Um, Because the reality is that Jesus told his disciples to wait Even though he gave them an assignment, he said, whoa, 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 wait till you're filled. Okay, ready, set, go. And uh, so we're going to be looking at the go, if we could say it that way, and what it means to be sent. So I do want to, I am not preaching from this scripture much, uh, but I do want to use it as a launching pad. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to read the first nine verses. Actually, we're going to read eight and a half verses. Isaiah chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, And he touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom shall go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. And he said, Go and tell this people. 
I'm not going to read the rest of this verse because it kind of is not applicable. Because you and I are sent in the same way Isaiah was sent, but the message that we carry is different than what he was going to carry. He was going to carry a message of the anger of God because of the obstinance of their people. He's going to go on to say, you hear, but you don't hear. You see, but you don't see. You hear and you don't understand. But that is not the message that you and I are sent to carry. And I just wanted to establish it. But I, did, if, I do want you to remember when we talked about being filled with the Spirit, it talked about the fire of the Holy Spirit touching our lips, touching our mouth, even as a coal off of the altar. Remember the Holy Spirit uh, wasn't accompanied with the, the flame of fire and the whole house shook just as it did in this setting that Isaiah is describing. And the reality is that our mouths, we dwell among a people with unclean lips. How many of you can agree with that? And we were a people of unclean lips. But one of the things that we said back in our study of being filled is that prim the primary sign of being filled with the Spirit is it changes our speech. And Isaiah here is given a message, uh, and two things. He's sent to a people, and he's told what to say. How about that? So what I want to do is I want to look at who are the people we're sent to, and what are we going to say? It's different than Isaiah. That's why we're not going to read the rest of the passage, because we're on this side of the cross. The wrath of God has been satisfied the division between God and man has been satisfied by the person of Christ. So the message we get to carry is really good news. We hear that term thrown around as it re refers to the gospel. But the reality is, it is good news. It is better than we think. And I want to look at the scripture. And I want to look at New Testament. Because, why? Because we're in the new covenant, not the old one of the things I believe the church has been guilty of the past is having an old covenant message in a new covenant world yep. of the harshness of God, of the anger of God, of the, uh, you know, of a focus on sin and a focus on rebellion and all of that. That is not the message that we're called to carry and that is not the people that we're sent to. So let's go to the writings of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians and look, let's look at who were we sent to. Isaiah was sent to a people and he was sent with a message. Who are the people we are sent to? What is the message we are sent with? Sound good? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Beginning at verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 14. I'm going to read through it, and then we'll just talk. And we'll... Look at the theology of what he just said. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, 
that if one died for all, then all died. And he who died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Our passage starts out with the reality that we are compelled by the love of God. It is the love of God, and I want to suggest that it is both our love for God and the love of God for people through us, but also it is His love for me and for you. I hope that one of the things that comes out of the theology class is an awareness and a revelation of how loved we are. Because that sets us at liberty to be ourselves. Oh, here comes Dr. Seuss. <laughs> it's not even in my notes, sorry. But you are you, that's truer than true. There's no one alive that's youer than you. And we need to come to a place to where we recognize the uniqueness of who we are, even as we talk about being sent. Because I'll tell you what will not happen in this series. You will not be forced to fit into some type of a mold with a formula that looks like this. Do this, do this, do this. The only do this is the same do this that Jesus had. I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. That is the formula for, in Scripture. That's the formula for reaching a city, by the way. And many times we try to in, uh, develop a formula because it worked one place and try to apply it another place. And it may not always work in place A like it did in place B. So we are compelled by love. And here's the thing. And this, who are we sent to? Dead people. We believe, Scripture, we just read it. We believe thus. If one died for all, then all are dead. If you don't hear anything else this morning that I hear, hear this. Those not yet believers who are walking around you are dead. You and I were dead in our trespasses and sins. 
We were dead men walking. We need to understand that. Why? Because the next uh, exhortation is to not look at things in the flesh. Basically, he says, because everyone is dead, us included. See, that puts, every, it puts all of humanity in the same boat, dead. And the only thing that makes us different from some of the other dead people is we were brought to life because we got to know the captain. And we were brought into a newness of life. We read it there, a new creation. And the old... Man, the old has passed away, and all has become new, and now I'm not even the person that I used to be. How many of you have ever seen it? I experienced it in my own life. I've seen it uh, uh, countless times in other people's lives. How many of you have ever seen the person of Jesus Christ coming into a person, and their countenance changes, literally, and that is moving from death to life. I remember when Marcy and I first got saved, uh, we spent uh, about four days apart. She was here in Minneapolis with her mom, and I stayed home, and we had just gotten saved, and I spent three days praying and fasting, not even knowing what that was, and I spent time uh, worshiping God, not knowing what that was, and I spent time pacing around uh, the mobile home that we lived in, and I found I could not help it, but my hands kept going up in the air, and it's like, whoa, but anyway, after three days or four, I drive to Minneapolis, I go to the apartment building where mom, uh, her, Marcy's mom lived, and Marcy's there, and I get to the, into the building and into the door, and the door is locked, and I knock on the door, and I'll never forget it. <laughs> Marcy opened the door, and there was a look of shock on her face, and she said, oh, you've changed. That's moving from death to life. That's a new creation. And I'm still changing, and I'm still being renewed. We, we, you know, the old man is perishing, but the new man is being renewed day by day. The inner man. What was she seeing? A change in countenance. And over the years, that has meant so much to me. Just to understand the transformation, and I've seen it in others. I've seen it sitting with people take place in literally a 30-second span. From death to life. But we must understand, we must not look at people. We no longer know people after the flesh. Can I just say this? Don't get all unraveled by all the flesh that's going on in our society in this day. It's just dead works. Now, I, I mean, it, it, it's serious. Don't misunderstand me. But don't let it rob you from the, the ability to see beyond what is natural and to see into the spirit and the spiritual potential of literally every person on the planet. Because one died for all, and they're all dead. And now those who live should live for the one who died for them. And if all have died, we don't know people according to the flesh. We used to know Christ in that way. We don't even know him that way anymore. Why? Because he entered into a newness of life. What? Oh, yeah. He was resurrected. 
And it's, no, and it's good to read the Gospels and, and to understand that there was this man, Christ Jesus, who walked among us, and he was all God, and he was all man, and we can't wrap our heads around that. But now our focus, both when we look at him, is about that which is spiritual, and when we look at each other, we can... Uh, focus on that which is spiritual. When we look at the not yet believers in our life, uh, oh, I exhort you, see the spiritual potential. If Christ could change your life, he can change anybody. If Christ could change my life, he could change anybody. Verse 17 through 18, the new life made simple. Old things have passed away. Now that's dead. Ha. All things have become new, new creation. And now our life is all about God who has given us an assignment. And the assignment is simply this. We are ministers of reconciliation. Yeah. We should get you a badge, minister of reconciliation. We could get another badge, Ministers of Mercy. So that's who we're sent to. We're sent to those who are dead. And that is not a, uh, that is not a criticism, it's just the truth, because we were once dead. And so th their works are dead. So we shouldn't let it unravel us. God's plan made really simple in verse 19. God reconciled to himself in Christ. Here's a headline. God does not hold their sin against them. What? Oh, I'll say it over here. God does not hold their sin against them. I'll say it over here. God does not hold their sin against them, and neither should you. Do you remember when John the Baptist, who Jesus said was a prophet, yes, and more than a prophet, made the declaration, Behold, the Lamb of God, listen now, that takes away the sin of the world. He took away the sin of the world he died for all, and all died. But make no mistake about it, he took away the sin of the world. And, other, and, and another way of saying it, the sin is no longer an issue with God. You're looking at me funny. God does not hold their trespasses against them. Why? They're dead. And there's been a price paid for their sin. It's kind of like they have a coupon. And all they got to do is cash it in. And we get to tell them, that's the good news. You got a coupon. <laughs> and we get to be ministers of the mercy of God. Now, that does not mean, please hear me, that does not mean that 
their sin doesn't need to be confessed or just admitted that they need a Savior. But the emphasis is not on their sin, it's on the answer, the Savior, the Reconciler. And that makes our job a lot easier because we're bearers of good news, not bad news. There's been a lot of uh, shift in the body of Christ over maybe the last 15, 10 years or whatever. Have you noticed how, the, you know, this whole thing of making it very clear God is good is on the front burner and that God is in a good mood? And it's not that he was ever in a bad mood, but it's that he was portrayed that way for so long that I think we as a church has had to make a shift. No, 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 no. God is good. He's in a good mood. And there is a need to make it sh uh, surely understood that God is working all things together for good. By the way, I believe in our nation right now in these days, God is working all things together for good. Now, it can look messy, but God is the master of mess. By that, I don't mean he created it. I mean he can fix it. And he uses it. And he has the ability to turn that which was meant for evil and use it for good. And God gives us a message, and it is the word of reconciliation. It is be reconciled to God. in our care group or in our connect group this past week. We are going through the book of Acts and we were reading in uh, Acts chapter 16 and that is the account where Paul and Silas are put in jail and they're singing and praising God and all of a sudden there's an earthquake comes and the, the jail doors spring open and the jailer is shocked and amazed and he's about to kill himself because he knows uh, if prisoners escape, he, his life is over. And Paul says, no, don't do it here. We're all here. None have left. And the jailer goes to the apostle Paul and to Silas, and he says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul pulls out a piece of paper. No, he didn't. No, he, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with pieces of paper. And he didn't give him a long formula. You know what his answer was? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. So simple. That is the message that you and I carry, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, what about, no, 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 wait, we'll get to that. It is about believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the door. Remember he said, I am the door. That is the door into everything. And I know there's sanctification and all that, but God is really good at that. One of the things that changed my countenance was God's sanctifying work on the inside of me. 
what could be seen from the outside was only a microcosm of what was going on inside of me. And one of the things that was going on inside of me is I was devouring this book. Well, not this one. <laughs> but the scripture. And it was changing me. And that is the reality of the work of God. But this, the entry is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Must there be an admission that you're a sinner? Yes, but that comes after an understanding that there is this man, Jesus, and he is a Savior. Now I can confess my need for that Savior. But it can be freeing for people, and here's the deal. It can be freeing for people to know they don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. They just have to walk one through door, one through one door, and his name is Jesus. And that's really all that is our responsibility as far as salvation. Now, discipleship, that's something else. But we need to understand, because what are we talking about? We're talking about the people we're sent to, who we've established are dead. And now we're talking about the message that we carry. And the message primarily is this, as it was for the Apostle Paul to the Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible calls us in verse 20, and, and you know, we're ministers of rec reconciliation, but he says we are ambassadors. And what that really means is we are sent from one authority to another authority. And we represent the one authority to the other authority. We are sent by Jesus Christ. We are sent under the authority, in, in my name, go and preach the gospel, making disciples in all the nations. We are sent, so it's very clear what authority we're sent from. But what authority are we sent to? The individual free will of a person. One of the things that we so often do with our good news is we usurp the authority that people have over their own life. It's something God will not do, and yet I, it, it's prob if, there's, if it's safe to say there's one thing I really hate, it's manipulation. It's, it's violating a person's free will to get the result I want. It, and I believe that's in me because it's the heart of God. I believe he hates it because it's manipulation. It's coercion. The Apostle Paul hated it. And we must come with an awareness that whoever I'm talking to, whoever is before me, has their own right 
to their own life. And I cannot, I will not supersede that. I will not trick. I will not play games. Because ultimately, they need to come to that decision for themselves. And no matter... I might think I got them through the door, but I didn't. Because they didn't go through with understanding and voluntarily, if I could say it that way. I want to say this to you parents. Let your children discover God for themselves. Now that, let me qualify that. You can teach them, train them, but don't strong arm them. Recently, my son said to me, he, th he actually, I think he had come back from a man's retreat, and one of the things that a lot of the guys were having to overcome was the religion that was crammed down their throat when they were young. And now they had to get past what that did in them. And my son thanked me, and he said, thank you for letting me find my way, even in times when I was floundering. And he was telling me what some of the guys were struggling with, and he said, I don't have to struggle with that, because I found my own way. And I, he doesn't, well, he probably knows now, but I knew there was a season when he was floundering a bit, but he was finding his own way. Why? Because of the authority of every person, the free will. It amazes me that God never violated the free will of mankind. So much so that the authority they had got turned over to the adversary for a time. But it's back in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's back in your hands and my hands. But we must use that authority. And we, I say all this to say, as when we go as ambassadors, we treat people with respect. We have a message. You bet we have a message. But it's seasoned with grace. It's seasoned with love. It's the love of God that's compelling us. And what is the message? We find it in verse 20. It is as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I do want to say this. We are not reconciling God to the world. We're reconciling the world to God. There is a difference. You remember Jesus taught that the sowing or the preaching of the gospel was similar to the sowing of seed. And of all that parable, only one-fourth of the seed took root. We must be careful 
that we don't have, try to come up with a hybrid seed that will produce fruit in hard, stony, or th thorny soil. There is no hybrid seed. The gospel is the seed. Not everyone will accept what we have to say concerning Christ and concerning God, but never underestimate the power of the seed that you plant. I know. I know I'm here today because of seed that was put in me in a Sunday school class similar to what these kids are in right now. And if you can go in that class and find the most rowdy boys, well, actually, they just left for camp. <laughs> but if they were here, and if you went in that room and found the most rowdy, class, clown, disruptive boy, that would have been me. But seed was planted. Peter said it's an incorruptible seed. And I knew it. I, well, no, I didn't know it at the time. But as I was growing older, there was something that I could not escape. I remember walking as an unsafe construction worker out on a job site in the sun. And it was just a beautiful day. And I remember an awareness of a presence and a favor on my life. And I was not walking with God at that time in my season. And, but I, I can remember, I can take you to the job site in Marquette, Michigan, and being aware of the favor of God on my life. And it's, I walk with it now almost always. And an inner peace and joy accompanied it. And I didn't understand it at the time, but I remember back to those times, and that happened all, but it, all, what was it? It's just the seed. So don't underestimate the seed. The Bible says in another place that we carry a fragrance, and it is the fragrance of life unto life to some, and is the fragrance of death unto death for others. Can I exhort you, do not live a fragrance-free life. Don't. Let the gospel speak for itself. That does not mean you have to carry a big, thick Bible around. It doesn't mean you need to tell every person you meet about Jesus. It just simply means that you know that you are a messenger sent to a people. And it is a message of mercy. And at those times, when you see what the Father's doing and you hear what the Father's saying, you simply share that message. And you won't do it like other people do it because Dr. Seuss was right. You are you. And you are youer than you. And there's no one on the planet that's youer than you. And you have the right and the liberty to be you. And you have the right and the liberty to be a carrier of this message in the way that you carry it. We have a privilege of being sent. And we have a clarity of the message. It's not complicated. God loves people, and he's already made the way for them 
They don't have to get, they don't have to come to this church to get there. They can, but they don't have to. It'd be good if they go to some church eventually. God added to the church those who were being saved. But my point is, church life was a result of what was going on inside. It didn't cause it. Amen? Amen. Let's stand in his presence. We're going to, throughout this series, I'm sure we're going to have some Sundays of commissioning and all of that. And uh, But I, I just encourage you to hold out your hands. I just want to, uh, the Lord's going to put a name, name badge in your hand. It might be ambassador, it might be minister of mercy, it might be evangelist, it might be whatever it is. You ask him, seriously. How, how does he see you as a sent one with this message? Just ask him. Holy Spirit, just, just speak to us. In the process of being us, what does it look like? Now, he'll put that message, that name tag, either in your left hand or right hand, whatever. But just, just put it on your chest. Just stick it on. Own the label. Whatever you felt he showed you. I felt like, for me, he just showed me I'm a person of peace. Father, thank you for the privilege of being carriers of your message. And thank you for the privilege of being able to see people as they could be and to look beyond where they're at. I'm so thankful, Father, that you saw me and where I could be rather than leaving me where I was at. And we ask you to bless every person here as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.